Every business wants good customer reviews. Every customer wants a good experience. So what happens when both sides click? Or in some cases, when they don't? From Yelp and Entrepreneur Media, this is Behind the Review. Washkovic, Yelp small business expert. Every week, I pick one review on Yelp and talk to the entrepreneur and the reviewer about the story and business lessons behind it. For this week's deep dive episode, I'm bringing back former guest Sean Walcheff, founder of Cali Barbecue Media. Sean isn't just a successful barbecue restaurateur, he also runs a mini media empire. He hosts and produces two weekly podcasts and a plethora of digital media with his business. Let's give our conversation a listen. Well, welcome back to the show. Now my most frequent guest, Sean Walcheff. Last time we talked, Sean, we were talking about all things digital reputation. And today we're going to continue that theme. But honestly, some big changes has happened for you since we last talked. You're not just a restaurant owner with a bunch of ghost kitchens and other fun things around San Diego. You have a new podcast. Can you, for everyone who maybe hasn't heard our previous episodes, give an intro of yourself, Cali Comfort Barbecue, Cali Barbecue Media, and then tell me about the new show, Restaurant Influencers. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the show. My name is Sean Walcheff, owner, founder of Cali Barbecue Media. We are a barbecue brand and a media brand in San Diego. We are trying to build the Amazon Prime of barbecue and media. We have a master smokehouse location. So we're transforming our full service restaurant that we've had for 14 years in a difficult location in San Diego. Um, We're transforming that into a master smokehouse and media center. We're opening up 10 friendly ghost kitchens in the San Diego market. And in order to do that, we are also content creators. So we create videos for TikTok, for LinkedIn, for Instagram Reels. We blog. We have two podcasts, like Emily mentioned. Digital Hospitality is our resident podcast that we've been doing for five years. And recently, we just launched Restaurant Influencers with Entrepreneur Magazine and with Yelp. And we are grateful for the opportunity to showcase the best in the world that are doing what we've learned how to do. And that's taking that smartphone out of your pocket and sharing your story online. It's really exciting for us to dig deep into the thesis, the things that we believe in. Uh, We've been given such a great stage, um, an opportunity to speak to not just restaurant owners, but business owners all over the globe because of podcasting. And now we get to go and highlight people that we like to say are playing the game within the game. It's so much more than food. It's so much more than hospitality. You have to know how to share your story. You've got to know how to do it online. And this podcast has allowed us to, to pick the best of the best on TikTok, on YouTube, on Medium, on podcasting, no matter which platform it is, if it's an app in the app store um, and somebody's dominating digitally, we want to hear their story and figure out how they're driving new different types of revenue to their profit and loss statement. I love that. And I think what I find the most fascinating about your show is you have this structure where you're asking all of these different entrepreneurs a series of questions about how they 
reflect themselves and their business and their brand online. But you get such different answers from each of them because they're in different industries or they have completely different concepts. And it's a really fun way to start to hear the different ideas of how you can engage and connect with your customers online, because there are so many avenues. And like you mentioned, there's the main ones like TikTok and Instagram and places that people might be familiar with or might still be afraid to use, but you kind of scale the whole range of the different ways that people can digitally connect with their customers. So today is going to be great. We're going to take that one step deeper and not just talk about connecting with them online, responding to things, for example, posting, having an account that reflects your brand. But we're also going to talk about how you do that in your online reputation. So really looping in those online review sites, as well as thinking about how your website or your Instagram or your TikTok all become connected and people can identify that it's the same business and the same brand on these different platforms. Why don't we start with a little bit of background on your experience as an entrepreneur and how you had originally managed your online reputation and maybe how that evolved as your business and brand grew? Sure. On the podcast, we talk about lessons and stories, and it's always easier for someone to share a story so you can learn the lesson in the story. And when we first opened up the restaurant, like I said, we were 2008, a difficult time to open up a restaurant, a difficult location. Uh, We started doing barbecue on the West Coast, which a lot of people said was a very difficult thing to do and that we couldn't do it. We had a lot of challenges when we first opened. And one of the biggest challenges we had was just the layout of the restaurant. It was very awkward. It used to be a two-bedroom house that was an add-on to an add-on. And one of the conversations I had with my my general manager, Eric, at the time was, what can we do to improve our hospitality? What can we do to invest in our hospitality? And everybody that's been to a restaurant, you've seen a sign and the sign says, please seat yourself or please wait to be seated. Now, if you own a restaurant, you know why that sign exists. That sign is what I call a hospitality hack. So it's a way to reduce labor cost. So during the non-peak periods of your business, you put this sign up to let the customer know, we're telling you some information, please seat yourself. So the customer comes in, they walk in, no one greets them. They walk in and then they go, oh, great. This is a choose your own adventure. I get to go pick whatever table I want. And then they go and they walk. And anyone that's listening to this, you know that when you've done that, you're excited until you realize you don't get any service. You realize you don't get any hospitality. You get a server that has a section that's too big or a server that's coming back from break or is about to go on break. It's literally the worst time, the worst. When you should be able to give the best service, you give the worst service. And for us, we said, what if we invest in hospitality? What if we pay to always have a hostess at the front of our restaurant? And when we did that, it transformed our business because we actually were were living hospitality. We had somebody always there to answer the phone, always there to smile at a guest when they arrived, always there to thank somebody when they left. It was very powerful. It was very powerful for our business. It was very powerful for our Yelp reviews. I mean, it was very powerful to start to transform the principle of hospitality online. So taking what we learned in real life and transferring that online to Yelp, to Google, to Facebook, once a customer came in or wrote a review or commented on a post, instead of ignoring them, 
what if there was a human? What if it was me as a business owner? And I actually responded to that human. I welcome them. I thank them. I listen to them. Once we started doing that, once I started responding to every single review, right when it was written, whether it was good or whether it was bad, it literally transformed how we did business. Does that mean that we didn't get bad reviews? No, we got a lot of bad reviews. But when we went through the bad reviews, we took that objective data and said, if three people in a row have complained about our brisket, maybe our process for making brisket needs to be looked at. And as we started taking that data and making that part of our business culture, that no matter what, we were going always respond to reviews, whether they were good or bad, we were going to listen, but we were going to provide that hospitality back to removing that sign, removing that physical sign and actually having a human that is there that is responding on all these different platforms was a game changer for us. I love both of those stories because I think they show that there is this deep connection between what you're doing with your customers offline and how that translates online. And both in the way that you reflect yourself and what you prioritize when it comes to customer communications or getting feedback, as well as just showing that you're there, right? Almost showing up like how you always had a hostess by having a strategy for responding, you're prioritizing a response, right? And the fact that showing up is half of the battle. I think that's really a good way to look at things. I want to talk about authenticity because it has so much to do with how you and your team show up online. And I think a lot of people maybe miss the mark on this or they aspire to be something other than human. So can you talk a little bit about what authenticity means to you and how that's become a part of your digital strategy? Yeah, it's interesting because over 14 years, you know, failing so many different ways, doing marketing, doing branding and learning who we are and how we wanted to show up as a barbecue brand on the West Coast, as a barbecue media company. We've learned so many lessons of just trying to understand what is marketing, what is advertising. A guest on one of my previous podcast episodes said, be the show and not the commercial. And it was the easiest way to sum up this content creation world of authenticity that I talk about because so many people want to be a commercial. They want to post a perfect Instagram feed, this curated Instagram feed of the best food photos of their restaurant. And whoever's listening to this, I know when I scroll, that's not something, it looks like a commercial. It doesn't look true. It doesn't look authentic. Yet when a restaurant owner posts a video of their business showing me how they made their recipe, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's real. It's a video. It shows, it jumps out at me. It's the same when I see somebody that has an automated response for an email or an automated response to a review. If you take the time to have hospitality, if you take the time to listen, you put someone's first name in the response to your review, you acknowledge whatever they are complaining about and say, maybe I don't have an answer, but I'm acknowledging that definitely didn't want you to have bad rib experience. I'm sorry that you didn't enjoy the St. Louis cut of ribs, that you wanted beef ribs. We don't have beef ribs because of this, this, and this reason. Now I'm meeting them where they are. Now I'm listening to them. And even more importantly, I do it in public. There's never a time where I privately DM somebody. I never privately DM somebody. I always publicly acknowledge the person because they've publicly acknowledged us. If they privately send us an email, we will privately respond to that. But if they write a review that's public on Yelp, on Google, on Facebook, on any platform, we will always acknowledge that review. And I think that's important. It's extremely important. And, you know, someone once gave me the analogy that not responding to a review is like having someone ask to talk to the manager. And when they're done telling you their feedback, you just sit there and stare at them. And you and I know, and we've talked before about how 
the response deepens the relationship with the consumer. If it's critical, you're turning it around. Maybe you're surprising and delighting them by replying and trying to get to the root of the problem. Or if it's a positive review, you're deepening the relationship with them. Can you talk a little bit about how responding and responding authentically can help get potential future consumers? So maybe not even in the lens of deepening the relationship with the critical reviewer, but responding to reflect to other people who you are as a brand? It's so basic, yet we don't talk about it a lot. My wife, she spends a lot of time on Amazon, like a lot of people do, and she'll look at reviews. And she looks at reviews, but even more than looking at the reviews, she looks if the business or if the seller's responding to the reviews. Because then they're at, now you've proven humanity. You've proven that somebody behind this brand, behind this product, behind this service cares about what they're doing. Does that mean that they're going to have all five-star reviews? No, it doesn't. You know, and it's the same thing with the restaurant. When you see a restaurant that is actively engaging, when you see a small business that is actively engaging in their Yelp reviews, you know that somebody cares. It doesn't mean that they're perfect. You're not going to make every customer happy. And trust me, we're selling barbecue. There's plenty of people that have opinions about barbecue and how much better their barbecue is than ours. But ultimately, what they care about is that their voice is heard. And that's really what hospitality is. And once you you hear someone's voice, you acknowledge their voice, you welcome them the same way you do in real life. You welcome them online. You can create this incredible brand that when somebody comes to your page, they see that humanity. They see the humanity behind the brand. And I understand the bigger the brand, the harder it is to have reputation management and to start to understand on a local level, on a village level, the way that we like to talk about it. Every single business is in a village. You know, it might be a city, it might be a huge city like New York City, it might be Chicago, wherever you are. But like it, we all live in a little village and we all are creatures of habit. We love to do the same things over and over. So you have all these micro moments throughout the day, throughout your week where you can make an impact by acknowledging somebody that's actually spent money in your business. Yeah. It's really important to show them that you're human beyond just the transaction or the sale. I think a big misstep or missed opportunity by business owners is this goal to have a perfect five-star reputation or to have a perfect five-star business. And they're really not seeing all of the opportunity in the criticism or in the less than five-star feedback. Can you share a little bit about what you've experienced in your own reputation, but also what you've just learned over the years as an entrepreneur and consumer about perfect five-star ratings versus some pages with some criticism on them? Yeah. I mean, when we first opened up the restaurant, I remember getting five-star reviews. It was like a food reviewer came to our, our, I mean, it was the greatest thing ever. You know, somebody that took the time to talk about all the love and hard work that you had to open up this business and they're writing it down and explaining how great host that you hired was, or the server that you hired, or the reason the music that was playing, or the fact that you had their game on their TV, or you took care of their grandmother. And you did all of these things that literally a restaurant owner, a small business owner, they have so many things we have to do to to create an incredible hospitality experience. And to get that feedback is so positive. On the same level, it's devastating when somebody takes the time to write a one-star review, attacking all of the things that you believe in, that you've invested in, that you've blood, sweat, tears, money, investment, everything that you've put into this business, it's gut-wrenching. But when you can remove the subjectivity, which is very hard to do, very hard to do in something that is so personal as a business, but if you can remove it and you can look objectively at the data and what are people saying in the review, 
And if one person's saying it, then maybe other people have experienced it and just haven't taken the time to write it. Now, if multiple people are saying it now, operationally, we can look at it and go, well, maybe we have a problem and maybe we can investigate that problem. Sometimes maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's just a personal preference and we choose not to do a certain thing. I mean, our brand has evolved significantly. We were a breakfast brand when we first opened in 2008 and we became a sports bar and evolved to a barbecue brand. And now literally all we do is barbecue. So we have people that have come to love a lot of things that we used to do. They, they love the burgers we used to make, the salads we used to make, the steak, the, the omelets, all this other stuff that we don't do anymore. That doesn't mean that they don't want it and they don't still ask us about it, but we're still true to ourselves. And the more that we explain it and we let them know this is the why behind the decisions that we're making, we're grateful for the support, but unfortunately we can't add those menu items in order for us to sustain a profitable business into the future. And the more that we explain that, the more that people appreciate who we are and being true to who we are. Yeah. And I think the pandemic has for so many businesses shown that being human and being transparent and almost like letting them behind the curtain can really help when it comes to your consumer's expectations, right? So much of expectation setting comes from communication and comes from some transparency. I really liked what you mentioned too, about how if you're always worried about curating the perfect social media feed or visual display, you're sometimes losing the opportunity to show who you are and have people connect with all of the things about you that aren't perfect, right? And really resonate with them as a person. Like you said, your staff and your team are people and the work that they do in your business is human. And that's why people want to support you in the first place. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back. Busy restaurants have tons of greasy pots and pans and greasy surfaces with less labor to spend time doing dishes and cleaning. Well, for you, maybe Dawn Professional Manual Pot and Pan Dish Detergent and Dawn Professional Multi-Surface Heavy-Duty Degreaser can help save you some time. They're specifically formulated to cut through tough commercial kitchen grease. Dawn Professional Manual Pot and Pan cleans 58% more pots and pans per sink, reducing sink changeover versus the leading competitor's professional dish soap. Dawn Professional Multi-Service Heavy-Duty Degreaser cuts grease two times faster versus the leading professional food service supplier's national degreaser. So what are you going to do? You should upgrade to Dawn Professional Manual Pot and Pan Dish Detergent and Dawn Professional Multi-Surface Heavy-Duty Degreaser from P&G Professional. Spend less time cleaning and more time doing what you love. Go to pgpro.com to learn more and sign up for great deals. Again, that's pgpro.com. I want to talk specifically about some of your podcast episodes. Let's dive into that first one with Sam, the cooking guy. He's so cool. And actually, we're going to attach your conversation to the end of today. I think that's a really great example to give our listeners a bit more of what Restaurant Influencers is all about. But can you share with me some of Sam's mottos or approaches when it comes to his restaurant's digital footprint and how he reflects his customer service online? Yeah, Sam, the cooking guy, I mean, he was selected as the first episode for Restaurant Influencers for a reason. He's been on digital hospitality multiple times. We've become friends. He's become a mentor of mine. He has over 3 million YouTube subscribers. He has a quarter of a million Instagram followers, TikTok followers, you name it. I mean, the statistics are unbelievable, but he does what we 
try to teach other small business owners and restaurant owners what to do. And that's, it's so much more than the product or the service that you're selling. And online storytelling, what we call smartphone storytelling, literally will differentiate you from everyone else in your village. Everyone else in your industry will be trying to catch up. But the problem, the most difficult part is that as business owners, we want someone else to tell our story. We want a journalist to come and write about our business. We want a TV station to come and feature our business. We want the radio host to talk about our business, but it just doesn't happen unless you invest all types of money in public relations. And it's not that PR isn't, isn't great. It's just that it's very expensive. And for what you get, there's never been a time where we're building on the backs of giants. All of these apps are already there. They've already been created and they already have hundreds of millions of users on these apps. And when you get down to it, all we're talking about is audio video, words, and images. That's how you tell stories online. Business owners are phenomenal. You cannot own a business. You can't be an entrepreneur. You can't open up a shop unless you're great at telling a story. You've convinced your wife, you've convinced your husband, you've convinced your significant others, your family, you've convinced your community, you convinced people to work for you, you convinced investors, the bank, vendors. You're in business. Like You've done all of it in real life. The problem is most business owners aren't great at telling the smartphone that same story, publishing content online, publishing content on Instagram Reels, on TikTok, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on YouTube, on all the places that people are searching, which Sam the Cooking Guy does a phenomenal job of doing, which is a huge impact, not just to his restaurant business, but to his consumer packaged goods, the things that he sells within his restaurant, his cookbooks, the knives that he sells. All of this is through storytelling and content. I want to drill in on something there because you are truly an expert at always capturing content and continuously posting content. And I think for many, that's an overwhelming concept. Like, okay, I'm going to start to do things online or I'm going to start taking more pictures or doing videos behind the scenes and posting them. Do you have any advice for business owners about how to build that relationship with their smartphone and get more habitual about capturing and posting things? Yeah. The easy answer to the internet and the problem that I see with most business owners is that we want quality. So we back to, we want to be the commercial. We want the best image, the best foot forward for our brand, for our business. It's our baby. We want it to be the best. But what the internet wants is authenticity. The internet wants raw, professionally raw. And the more that you can get professionally raw and you have the greatest tool that allows you to do that. And that's the camera app on your smartphone. You don't need an iPhone. You can have an Android, but everyone has a smartphone. So if you have a smartphone, you have the greatest tool in order to tell your story. And that's the video. Video is so powerful. The internet wants video. TikTok wants video. Instagram wants video. Facebook Reels want video. YouTube Shorts. Video can give you so much where you're not telling the customer, hey, I sell barbecue. I'm taking a video, a 15-second video showing them, not of me making barbecue, but our pit master, Bernice, at the old hickory pit, putting ribs onto the smoker. And I've made that part of my daily routine, the same way that I check email, the same way that I check text messages. Wherever I am is an opportunity for me to give access to the people that follow us online, a sneak into the life of being a barbecue restaurant owner, a sneak peek into the life of being a podcaster, a sneak peek into the life of me going to Vegas to give a speech to other restaurant owners. Like Now I'm bringing people into the story. And by bringing people into the story, more people are invested in our brand and it gives us more opportunity. I loved that professionally raw 
advice. I think that's the perfect way to describe what you're trying to do, right? And it actually leads me perfectly into kind of how I wanted to wrap this episode because professionally raw is the best way to describe how you should be responding and representing yourself when it comes to your digital reputation. You and I talked before we started this interview about bringing emotion to your digital presence and bringing the real you. And I know, for example, you talk about your family on your social and you talk about what you guys are going through, mostly positive, but real stuff too. And you guys are people just like anyone else. How can business owners channel emotion or maybe think about the best approach when They are connecting so deeply and they care so much about their reputation. And then they get that negative review or that unfair criticism. How do you manage your emotions when you are so emotionally invested in what your reputation looks like? I mean, professionally raw is is the best answer. And I actually stole that from Toast Advisory Board. We were on an advisory board call and I was presenting an example about the restaurant and someone said, professionally raw is what Sean is doing. And But that's the truth. And it's because it is emotional. When you talk about your business, when you talk about your family, when you talk about your baby, which could be your business, or maybe it's your family business, it is raw and it is emotional. For me, it's one life. I don't have a business life and a personal life. I have one life. And every day I have an opportunity to do the thing that I love to do, which is grow my business and make an impact for my family, for my community, for our customers, for all the people that we get to to touch base with on a on a global scale now because of the internet. And truly, the most important thing for us is back to this digital hospitality. This how do I act in real life? If I act in real life the same way online, then people are going to understand that's my truth. And my truth is maybe I have the wrong answer for somebody that is upset with us online. But I will explain my answer to the best of my abilities, professionally raw, leaning into my truth and let someone know that maybe I'm not going to convert this customer to come back, but at least anyone else that comes to our page and sees my response will know that this business owner cares. He cares. And now that you know we're over 2,600 reviews, thankfully four and a half stars, I got to a point where I could no longer mathematically answer all the reviews because now we have multiple brands. We have Cali Barbecue, we have Cali Wings. We have multiple brands where we're producing content for Yelp, for Google, for TikTok, for Instagram. And like I had to build out a team, but I trust my team to empower them with hospitality. And Steven, who's writing the reviews, he understands if he has a difficult review, he'll ask me about it. Why? Because it's that important to me. It's that important to me because it's a mini press release. The same way a tweet is a mini press release, the same way an Instagram post is a mini, like all of this is our truth. It is our brand truth. It is a humanity behind who we are and what we believe and what we're building. But a lot of people get scared because they don't want that to get used against you. If it is your truth, you should just lean into it. What one of another podcast guests said, lean into your crazy. And the more that we lean into our crazy, who we are, what we believe, being professionally raw, the more the opportunities we have and the more that we're connected with customers all over the world. Awesome. To close us out and before we listen to the Sam the Cooking Guy episode, is there anything else you want to share about digital hospitality and what people can expect from your episodes? Yeah. I mean, so we have the two podcasts, we have digital hospitality, and then we have restaurant influencers. I think the most important thing is that these are free resources. The way that I look at my the stage that we've been given, this opportunity that we've been given is I went to school and I, I thought I wanted to study business. And I went to these business classes and they were terrible. 
you know, they were just not engaging. I wasn't hearing any content that made me excited. And now I have an opportunity every single week, twice a week to interview the best of the best. So I feel like I have my own university, this own hospitality university where I get to selfishly learn from somebody that I, I think is literally doing an incredible job, but more importantly, impact whoever's listening to the show. Whoever's listening to the show, if they take these principles that these guests that we have on are doing and put them into work, into their business, I know, I know firsthand that it will transform their business because it transformed ours. And we're starting to get more and more stories. We're getting more people reaching out to us, you know, asking for help, asking for advice, joining our clubhouse calls, following us on TikTok, following us on LinkedIn, and we're following them back because we believe a rising tide lifts all ships. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're part of a special group of business owners. So many business owners are so stuck in their business that they're not focusing on growing their business. You guys are. So if you're listening to this podcast, you care about improving. The next step is actually getting involved. So stay curious. You're doing that. Get involved and finally ask for help. Welcome to Restaurant Influencers, powered by Entrepreneur and Yelp. My name is Sean Walchef, founder of Cali Barbecue Media. Every single week, we will be interviewing the best and the brightest on social platforms that are killing it in the restaurant business and hospitality business. This week's episode is with Sam, the cooking guy, a mentor, a friend, a restaurateur with four restaurants, Emmy Award winner, 3.3 million YouTube subscribers. Sam the Cooking Guy is the essence of why we created this show. We are grateful to Toast, our primary point of sale partner, who is the primary sponsor of this show. Very excited for you guys to learn every single week how to better tell your story online. These people that we are bringing on, the best guests will be the best on Twitter, the best on TikTok, the best on Instagram. We hope you enjoy the show. You can connect with us at Sean P. Walchef on social, or you can visit us at restaurantinfluencers.media. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Restaurant Influencers presented by Entrepreneur and Yelp. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production in life. And in the restaurant business, we learn through lessons and stories. This is an episode, the first inaugural episode with Sam the Cooking Guy. Sam the Cooking Guy has 15 Emmys, five cookbooks, a quarter of a million followers on TikTok, 200,000 followers on Facebook, 200,000 monthly views on Pinterest. Oh, and by the way, he has 3 million subscribers on YouTube. Sam the Cooking Guy is essentially the essence of why we created this podcast because every business needs to be digital, every business needs to be in the hospitality business, but storytelling is so important to the restaurant space and the hospitality space. Sam, welcome to the show. You know, when you describe me like that, I like me so much more. <laughs> I'm like, shit, I did all that? Yes. Well, Thanks, man. one of the most important things, you know, we own a barbecue restaurant and we wouldn't have been, we wouldn't still be open today if it wasn't for the smartphone, if it wasn't for yeah. storytelling, if it wasn't for all these apps. If you're listening to this podcast, you're in the hospitality space. You're curious about the platforms. You're curious about creating content, finding awareness for your brand. So much of what people want to do. And there's people that are on YouTube that are successful creating food content. There's people that are on TikTok creating food content and they want to open up a restaurant. The first time I had you on Behind the Smoke podcast back in 2017, I know what you're getting. I say. asked Sam the Cooking Guy. I said, "Sam, will you open up a restaurant?" And we'll put a link into the show notes so that people oh, can go back excellent. and listen. Yes. And Rub Sam said, "There is there is no chance that I'm going to open up a restaurant." And yet here you are, four years later, 
four different concepts, soon to be launching more. How did you do it? Partners, baby. Partners. partners. <laughs> My partners opened restaurants. I didn't. Look, uh, I absolutely meant every word of that that day. Yes. But I found myself in this business in a sort of a, a, a weird roundabout way. My partners uh, were responsible for leasing some space, like realtors that handle restaurant space. And they had the food hall space down here in Little Italy. And they were thinking of uh, finding one tenant for it, maybe splitting it in two. They came to me and said, look, we think we're going to put a food hall in. How would you feel about being the marketing face of it? That's all. Just the marketing thing. How would you feel about being a restaurant influencer for a brand? Yeah, I mean, they certainly didn't put it like that. But they said, look, you got a good reputation in San Diego. You're known for a variety of foods. Nothing specific in one particular area. Uh, you're good with media. You can walk and talk and be interviewed. And you might be a great guy to help market this. And I said, yes, I like the idea that every day is different for me. And that would be even more different extra stuff to do that I dug. So while we were having the conversations about what that relationship would look like, I just casually one day threw out the idea that I had in my head for a while about a taco restaurant that wasn't Mexican inspired tacos. They were like nonsense inspired. <laughs> nonsense inspired. And they go, on brand. It? Off brand. And they go, well, like, what do you mean? And I go, well, things like uh, mashed potato or pulled pork with uh, macaroni and cheese on top of it and Korean short ribs, stuff like that. And my name for it was Gringo Tacos that we quickly decided was a name that would piss people off on both sides of the border, likely. And they said, wait a minute, what if we join forces? We run restaurants. They had other restaurants up and going. We run the restaurant, but you be the brand and the inspiration, the menu, the food, that, the face of it. We joined forces. We think this could work. I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. Uh, and we did. We opened in 2018. It's been great ever since. And then just the other brands started to come along. So we have Not Not Tacos. Not Not Tacos. We're sitting here in Gray's, Grays. right now. Uh, we opened at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, Sandburgers down in Seaport Village. And then uh, a second Sandburgers at the Little Italy Food Hall where Not Not is about, I don't know, six months ago. And it's because of that, you know, I found myself in the food business, not because that was my plan. I stumbled into it. I had an idea about a travel show that sadly 9-11 derailed and I had to do something because I'd quit my, my biotech job. I feel like cooking found me. Uh, the days following 9-11, I was watching TV, had no job to go to, couldn't do the travel thing. Nobody was buying travel in, in the days following 9-11, especially from somebody that had never been on TV and hardly traveled. But I had to do something. And I came across a really horrible in-studio cooking segment on a local morning news program that was so bad, I probably said out loud uh, as I was watching it, that's horrible, somebody should do that better. And that was the light bulb. Wait, maybe I could do it better. Even though I didn't really cook, that was a hole that I thought needed filling. So I took it upon myself to, to be that guy. I think cooking found me. I don't think I found cooking. I think the restaurant business found me. I don't think I found the restaurant business. I really had no interest because, look, it's the most going out of business business. Yes. More restaurants fail, I think, than any other business. 
I knew just because I could cook and entertain and had a following, didn't mean I knew how to run a restaurant. So many moving parts. And I stayed away from it intentionally because I thought you can't make a success of a place just because you have an okay name. You might get a great first night, maybe a great first month, but if it's not consistent, if the food isn't there, if you don't know what the hell you're doing, it's not gonna stay open. And so many restaurants fail because people that shouldn't be in the business get into it because they think it's only about food. Honey, this Italian restaurant is packed and their lasagna is awful. Your lasagna, on the other hand, is amazing. What if we opened a restaurant? And you know, there's that little spot that's been vacant. Yes. It's been 18 restaurants in the past three years down the street from us. And you know me, you do the kitchen, the lasagna. I'm like the best host at our holiday party. I'll run the front of the restaurant. I don't even know to call it front of the house. I'll be the front guy, you be in the back. We'll be successful. They put all their money into this place. It's a horrible location because it's been 12 things. They don't have any money in the bank. They don't know what's going to happen. And three months later, they're out of business. I didn't want that to be me. Fortunately, these guys kind of found me and they do what they do well and I do my thing. We're together and here we are. So one of the things I'd love for people listening to this podcast to get is your story, your YouTube story specifically, because you were on the platform for seven years. You got yeah. 30,000 <clears> subscribers and something clicked, something yeah. changed. What, what changed and how did you start to really grow your YouTube platform? It was a really simple concept that I don't think a lot of people always get. It's not about you. It's not about what you want. It's what your customers will want. And for maybe seven years, we were doing on YouTube kind of just what we wanted. If I woke up and I felt like doing a Caesar salad of a recipe of my wife's or something, screw it, we do the Caesar salad. And like 11 people would watch. And then I would do this and 12 people might watch or seven. I mean, it was a few more than that, but we were getting 500, 1,000 views for these videos. One day we, we, we looked at what we were doing and said, maybe we should doing, be doing things that our core audience, which were you know, 75, 80% guys between like 18 and 40, what might they want? And my youngest son suggested a uh, garlic bread grilled cheese, I think. And um, I love the idea of the garlic bread, but I made it into a garlic bread steak sandwich. And that was the, the moment that suddenly it wasn't 500 or 1,000 views. It was now 3,000, 4,000, 10,000. Now that one's got a lot, but we went from 30,000 subscribers in 2018 to a million in August of 2019 to 2 million in August 2020 to 3 million in August 2021. All within two days of my, my August 7th birthday, which is, I don't know how that happens. Yeah craziest fluke ever but what was the goal the goal was give the people watching what they wanted i know when i shoot i want to make sure that the person that's looking in that uh, screen it's about them it's about them the first stuff i did were like a minute and a half segments on local morning news and i'd go they'd come to my house we'd shoot a handful of them They'd leave and edit, and then I would go, um, I'd go watch them in the station, the TV station. 
and I'd say, you know, uh, right here, the, a minute and two seconds, you didn't show the stirring in the guy was, yeah, people know to stir. I go, look, I want people to watch this and have a perfect idea of how this recipe works. It's important to me. He goes, but if we put that in, we have to take out something funny you might have done or said. And I go, okay, there's enough entertainment in this. Yes. But at the heart of this, it's a cooking segment. I want that person to know what's going on. I care about the person that's in the, in the lens for me. I really do. Even now, I want them to have fun and be entertained and think I'm stupid and enjoy what they're watching, <laughs> whatever it is. I think you learn more when you're enjoying it. For sure. Right? We've all had teachers teach the same course. One just basically uh, yells the words at you. You have no interest. And then you have a teacher a year later, the same subject that inspires you because they make it really interesting and they draw you in. That's what I want. It's all about the customer. That's it. You understand that? I understood that from the camera point of view. Uh, and then when it came time for what we were making, that's when we started to change how we thought. And now we're over 3 million and it's, it's crazy. It's great. So one of the things that's very hard for men to do, for leaders to do, people in the hospitality space, yeah. we spend so much time taking care of other people. You're taking care of your viewers. You're taking care of the people that are watching you, supporting your restaurants. Yeah. It's so hard for us to ask for help. It's so hard for us to have mentors. Who inspires you? Who wants to, who, who do you look at and you go, they inspire me and they, I, I want to be better because of them. You have these deep fucking questions. I'm supposed <laughs> to have an answer. You know what? Like an hour ago, hey dude, I'm going to ask you who inspires you. And then I would have come in here with some amazing answers and stuff. You guys got an answer? Or who inspires you? I would just use that person. Okay, so I, I do have one mentor in the restaurant space, somebody you know, uh, Howard Solomon. So Howard, I say, is my restaurant spirit animal because, I mean, look, he's been in the restaurant business forever, which doesn't necessarily mean you know stuff, but he knows a lot of stuff. He's opened a lot of really significant places. And before we started, I knew nothing. And my partner said, we have a gift for you. It's this guy right here, and he's going to help you get done in the restaurant what you want. And it was simple in the beginning. Howard would source food, but then our relationship grew and now, now we complete each other's food sentences, kinda. What I could write a book. What I know about the restaurant business, I learned from Howard Solomon. Yeah. Mentorship is so important. My grandfather is somebody yeah. that, you know, I never met my father. I, my grandfather raised me, he was born yeah. in a village. He, the way that he treated his life, the way that he was always curious, yeah. the way he was always reading was something that every single day he's with me, even though he's not here. Yeah. You've become a mentor to me. Thank you. Because of the way that our, our paths have crossed. You know, well, there's, he, there's also times where people that come into your lives, the yeah. team that we have here, yeah. Rising Tides Create, they're helping us create what we want yeah. to let the whole world know. Anybody that's in hospitality, they get to use all of these different platforms to share their story, who they're doing and what they're with. And you, you're able to work with your son. Yeah, I'm very fortunate that way. We argue like two 13-year-old <laughs> like girls fighting son. over the last pair of shoes <laughs> at, at a sale, but... But, but it's really great. But look, I don't know anybody really that does what I do. Correct. I can't find an opposite number uh, to inspire me. 
I guess I can take little bits from a bunch of people. A lot of what I see other people do when it comes to uh, YouTube and on camera stuff, uh, I don't really follow that. I kind of do my own thing. I feel like I always have. Why is that important? For the people that are listening to this, why, why is, is important? it important? Authenticity for is everything. When I started, um, I made my demo. Um, it was good. But I, in my early days of TV, I'm trying to think about who's on TV that I should model myself after. Was I going to be like a Bobby Flay? Was I going to be a Jamie Oliver? Who did I like that I could be like? And about six months in to being on television, I finally woke up one day and I went, there's enough of me to be me. Be yourself. Don't try and be somebody else. The world didn't need another uh, Bobby Flay on television. The world didn't need another Emerald or, or whoever. They needed somebody unique. I don't need another watch the same stuff I've already seen. So uh, it was literally like an overnight thing, like a, like a caterpillar coming out of its cocoon, spreading its wings. That's the day I found my voice. And my voice was straight me. My wife will tell you if you like me on the screen, You'll like me off because I'm the exact same person. There's no front. There's no TV Sam versus off TV Sam. She also says, if you hate me on the screen, you'll hate me off because I'm the exact same guy. And that, to me, that's a huge compliment. Yeah. People will, will come to the restaurant and they go, we've been following you for a long time and we chat for a few minutes. They go, you're the same guy. You seem like you are on, on the screen. I go, I am. And I joke, I go, look, I'm stupid and it's a lot easier just to remember one version of me than, you know, it's like I tell my kids when they were little, if you lie, you have to remember that lie. Yeah. For this much time, because it'll come back and bite you in the ass if you don't. There's only one me. I don't want to remember who I am on screen and then off screen and then I go here and I'm somebody else. I'm just freaking me. Like me or not, it doesn't matter. I'm me. My grandmother would have said, that's why they make different flavors of ice cream. Not everybody loves vanilla. Not everybody loves chocolate. And I get that. I got it again yesterday. Every so often I go to, to read social media comments or comments <laughs> under a YouTube video. It's everybody like, doesn't love you? Love the video. Great work. Nice. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I never thought of that. I'll do that again. And my cousin told me about you. I've been watching for her two months now. We're really happy. You're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Just like that. Nice comment. Nice comment. You're a fucking idiot. You can't cook. You're stupid. You're dumb. Who told you to do this? And that's not how you do that. Ugliest thing ever. So I think that's what you're saying is something that when I talk to business owners and yeah. people in the restaurant space, it's one of their fears about publishing content, about putting yourself out there, leaning into your authenticity. My wife said to me the day before Not Not Opened, you know, up to now, unless it's a private event, people aren't tasting your food. They're watching you taste your food and you go, mm, this is so good. She goes, are you ready now? Tomorrow, people will eat your food. Will you be ready for the comments and stuff? And I go, no, I probably won't. I don't like, I don't like that negativity. I yeah. really don't. And I don't want somebody going, oh, this is boring or the guy can't season food or he's an idiot, whatever. So I, I, don't know what there, I don't know what the point in that is. It's just, you just have to be prepared for that to happen. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, what I tell business owners all the time and restaurant owners especially is you already have the tough skin. Like you've literally already done what so many people want to do. Yeah. You've, you've run that marathon to get the restaurant open. I mean, I remember going through the story with you, watching you before you opened up Not Not Tacos and you're going on Instagram Live and telling your fans and literally to the point where you choked up. Yeah. It's yeah, emotional. Yeah. It really is. It really is. And I, I know the point of this is, is help restaurateurs get their head around some of the things they're maybe not thinking about. Yeah. The social media aspect of this stuff. The storytelling aspect. The storytelling. The fact that video is so powerful and so accessible. People want to be involved in stuff. They really do. The more personal I get on YouTube, in my posts and stuff like that, the more people love it. It's amazing, right? And I don't expect that everybody has a following like me that opens a restaurant. But the point is, little bits of that introduced into what they do can really help make a difference. They really can. Yeah. People have to get that. It is not just about what's on the plate anymore. It may have been at one time. Back in the day, restaurant reviewers went in, they ate something, they said it was shit, and then nobody would go. And, and you know, look, it's uh, uh, Yelp exists, lets everybody do that, but there's so much more that goes into your restaurant experience besides beside that omelet or that burger or plate of ribs. So much. So not just the restaurant, but also the YouTube. Can you tell us specifically what your YouTube schedule is and yeah. why the schedule is that way and how you've gotten to yeah, that yeah, yeah, and yeah. why you treat it the way that you treat it, because it is a full-time job. It's your a full-time dedica- job. Your dedication Look, to your channel. We shoot, we air, uh, post three new episodes a week. Three new episodes, 25, 20 to 30 minutes? Or where, where, uh, where are we at now? Yeah, typically these days we're more in the like 12 to 17, 18. And those are analytics-based or that's just recipe-based? Are you specifically choosing to do 12 to 18? Uh, we're finding that a little... Sh- Look, when we first started, we did this thing called the Sam Livecast. It was really like a combination talk show, cooking show. I would sit at a desk with a mic, camera there, and I would talk about random stuff. And there were two other guys in the back switching shots between them and me. Yeah. I'd talk about what I had for breakfast, what holiday food was coming up, that kind of stuff. And then I'd say, all right, well, it's time to cook, so uh, let's do that. And the little, uh, you know, 10-second thing would roll. I'd be in the kitchen. I'd go, all right, today we're making... Broccoli and cheddar soup, whatever, which by the way, I've never made that in my life. <laughs> I don't even, I mean, I've had it, it's okay, but I would never. I lo- I'll all, your you, media, all your media interviews, you come up with recipes that you've never done. I'll tell you, I will never make a broccoli <laughs> cheddar soup ever. And next week it's gonna show up and you'll be the one guy yeah. to go, oh, what'd <laughs> hey. you say? So I'm the YouTube comic. So <laughs> those episodes could be an hour or an hour and a half long. Nobody was watching. So we decide to stop this live component because it was a huge pain in the ass. Live is still not perfected. Yeah. It's better now than it was eight, nine, ten years ago. Sure. But, but then, ah, it wasn't so great. So we stopped that and it was just cooking and we clunked along with just cooking for a while. Uh, and uh, it was okay. And then this garlic bread steak sandwich moment kind of happened. 
but a lot of other stuff. I mean, you can't just put it down to that. Like you can't just say a restaurant success is about that one plate of lasagna, sure. right? So we made a conscious effort to change the stuff we were making, but there are all kinds of things happening. My son who shoots and edits and essentially produces the stuff. Sam the Cooking Guy's boss on Instagram. Sam the by Cooking the way. Guy's boss on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> His camera work went from absolutely mediocre. His skills absolutely mediocre to outstanding. His shit now that we put out, I think, looks better than any television I've done. And the two of us have come an awful long way. Uh, I uh, uh, liken our relationship to ballroom dancing partners. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous. But you know, what's that line of that song, when, when I move, you move? It's like that. We understand each other. He's, he's, he's so comfortable now in what he does. Now there's two of them that shoot yep. and edit together. But he's now so comfortable that now he doesn't have to just have his eyes trained into the viewfinder and only thinking about that. Now he can talk. And that has made our on-camera relationship, yes. his behind, mine in front, an important part of the show. Why? Because there's relationship there. Yeah. And people can feel that and people like that. Look, I know we're not for everybody. Like, it's a ice cream thing again. Not everybody likes the same ice cream. I know there's people that they want to see how to make a lasagna. They don't want any fucking around. They don't want some guy talking about uh, his kidney stone problem, which I did on camera once. I even showed my kidney stone. Told people to turn away if you didn't want to see it. You guys ever seen a kidney stone? It's like a black grain of rice, small. It's so innocent looking until I don't even get into it. So, wait, where was I? Your relationship, your our dancing relationship. partnership with your son. Yeah. So Your ballroom dance partner. So we, we now can play off of each other and people can feel that. Oh, I know what I was going to say. There's people that click on a lasagna video all they want. They don't want to see anybody. They almost don't want to hear anybody. They just want to see the steps happen. And if somebody talks them through that, that's fine. They, some of those people would never, ever want to watch my stuff. Sure. There's too much, I think, personality. There's yep. too much talking. It's At the same time, I believe, A, it's entertainment. But also, when somebody goes, use this item to make this lasagna, right? That's all they say. I'll go, use this item, but, but if you don't have that, look at what else you can use. Grab this out of the pantry, do this. I feel like we're really teaching people to cook and I get that comment all the time and that makes me happier than anything. My goal that day, the few days after 9-11, watching that terrible cooking segment, terrible. On KUSI there, I've said it. I've told the owner, <laughs> I've told the owner of KUSI, I do what I do because he had a terrible, <laughs> shitty cooking segment on that day. And I said, somebody should make this better. The point was you weren't learning anything from that chef that day. He was just trying to get you to look at the food and go, this is delicious. Looks that looks good. We'll go to his restaurant. That's an admirable goal. Oh, you're look, you're on TV a lot. And of course, I was terrible when I first went yes, on TV, but of Absolutely course your terrible. goal was bring people to the sure. restaurant. Yes. That's what you want. Yeah. I didn't have a restaurant and I looked at that and I said, what if instead of just making some shit that somebody would go, now I'm hungry, I could never make that in a million years, let's go out to get it. 
What if they watched and they went, what, not only does that look good, but it looks doable. I think I could do that. That's the teaching thing right from the beginning. I wanted people not to watch and be motivated to go out and buy it. I wanted to be motivated to make it themselves. And people go, I'd say now I believe I teach people this stuff. People go, teaching? Come on, what you do? And I go, I don't think you understand. I really don't. I th also, Sean, believe if I didn't do this, I could have made a great rabbi. I think I'm a good communicator. You laugh. I'm not a religious man at all, but. I would go. I would go. I've sat, trust me, I've sat in a I'm lot of synagogue and it is, sometimes it's really interesting and motivating and other times it's boring as hell. Which hell's probably not boring because of all the heat, right? So not but, only are you teaching people how to cook, yeah. but one of the things that I love is you don't realize that you're teaching people how to build not just a YouTube page because YouTube's the platform. You're also doing it on TikTok. You're doing it on Pinterest. You're doing it on Instagram. It doesn't matter the platform. It's a video. Yeah. What words of encouragement do you have that someone that's listening to this podcast that has <clears throat> the fear? The here's fear. Here's, of okay. Here's what it is. People will come up to me and say, I can't cook. And I go, I bet it's not that you can't cook. I bet it's that you don't cook. You're scared to. You've had a bad experience. They go, you're right. I tried to make this once. Absolute failure. Obviously, I don't have the cooking gene. I go, yes, but can you ride a bike? And they go, of course I can ride a bike. I go, okay, here's the thing. There was a time in your life when you couldn't. Your parents had to hold the back of it. You fell off. You hit your elbow, your butt, or whatever. You hurt yourself. Now you can, and the difference between then and now is this little thing called practice and experience. You can't get in front of a camera because you're too scared. Well, guess what? Do it 50 times, it's gonna change it. You yeah. just said you sucked when you started. 100%. If you watched my very first demo video, I'll give you the link and you can post it. Yeah. I'm like a, a scared <laughs> fucking turtle. I'm like this in the camera. Hi, my name is Sam. Today, we're going to make salmon. And then I'd move over two feet. Now, we're going to do this. Now, we're going to do this. I don't, I was, I smiled once. <laughs> once. And now I said, it took me six months to find my voice. Yeah. The only way you're going to get better at being in front of one of these is to fucking do it. Yep. You got to do it. And whether that means taking your own uh, phone and setting it up and practicing because you're going to get better even if that's all you did Correct. or show your friends. You just have to do it. No journey starts without one step forward on the floor. That's you got to do it. That's it. Just do it. Sam. Sam the cooking guy. On all the social platforms. The cooking guy. Um, Sam, you're, you're a mentor to me. You're a mentor to so many people. You're, uh, you're thanks, literally... Uh, it's funny. I just watched the Bob Ross Netflix show. <laughs> yeah. But... I mean, the simplification of what he did to bring people in to the art community. Yeah. To enable they, people that's it. to want get to do that. Yeah. That's what, right? And that's what you're doing for cooking and you're doing for media. Here's, look, here's an interesting thing. When we first opened, uh, some of the tacos at Not Not, I've done on TV. Yeah. My friends were like, what are you doing, man? I go, what do you mean? What am I doing? You try and sell tacos. He goes, but that taco and that taco you've done on TV. Or we're in a book. People know how to make those. I go, see, you don't, again, you don't get the business. Yep. When I show them how to make something on TV and they can get it, one of the restaurants, they want it even more because they can get it. Correct. They can have my version Access. of it. Access. 
forget. Look, you go to a restaurant, you have an amazing meal, and you go, that salad dressing was so good. You, you reach out to the restaurant, could I get that recipe? The good restaurants, the restaurants that are confident in what correct. they do, understand it's not the combination of those ingredients That's solely correct. that make them successful. They're happy to give you one. It's the shitty and secure ones that be like, we're not giving that out. Our number one taco, Korean short rib, never been dethroned. In the three plus years we've been open, it's always been number one. I've done on YouTube. Yep. And people will be like, I go, don't do this with your hands. It's still number one. I've shown people how to make it. Still fucking number one. There you go. That's the gift. If you own a restaurant, you have a recipe. Do not be scared to create content around that recipe and share that recipe. Show people. You'd be surprised at how much more of that product you'll sell. Look, I can make a good burger, but sometimes I just want to go out for one. Correct. Doesn't mean knowing how to make one is you're never going to go get one again. It's so comfortable talking to you. I don't know if you feel like this, but I feel like we've done this before. <laughs> like this specifically, these questions. Are you getting that same day job? I am. I Boys, am. It's, it's weird, that? but it goes into the reps. The more reps that you do, the better the content <laughs> That's gets. That's it. So... Yeah, this is Restaurant Influencers presented by Entrepreneur and Yelp. Um, every single week, we're going to bring you an incredible guest. Maybe not as incredible as Sam the Cooking Guy. Um, but if you want to reach out to me, it's at Sean P. Walchef on all the social platforms. Uh, we cannot wait to find the next restaurant influencer, whether it's on TikTok, whether it's on LinkedIn, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Instagram. It doesn't matter what they're doing. If they're building something on an online platform and they're bringing it into their community, this is what we're looking for, and we can't wait to share the, share the journey with you, Sam. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. And that concludes our episode. Be sure to subscribe so you get new episodes every Thursday. I hope you enjoyed it and were able to take a thing or two away to implement in your own life. Whether it's a new idea that you can bring back to your business or a fresh perspective on how to be a positive influence as a consumer, we share these stories to inspire and create more meaningful connections in your local community. For more information about today's business or to connect with me, check out the show notes. This episode featured a conversation with Sean Walchef, the founder of Cali Barbecue Media in Spring Valley, California. To learn more about the episode, check out the blog post. And don't forget to subscribe so you get an alert each Thursday when a new story comes out. To claim your own Yelp business page and start engaging with consumers, visit business.yelp.com. Our theme song is performed by Ali Schwartz and produced by Robbie G of Messerol Sound. The show was produced and edited by Entrepreneur Media.